Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to Mapping the College Edition, a podcast where we explore the landscape of the college theater world and try to demystify this daunting audition process. I am still your host, even in 2023, Charlie Murphy, director of MTCA, that's Musical Theatre College Editions, and today we have a brand new year of a show lined up for you. David Schmidt from the University of Utah is on the show, and he was really fun to chat with. Um, this was a very efficient episode where we cover a lot of stuff, we tell some jokes, and then if you stick around for the end, we have a triple takeaway, because we had time for it, oh my. Um, But before we get to that, uh, a big happy new year to you all. I hope the holidays were merry and bright. Um, Over here, we got some good rest in and a little bit of family time from which I feel like we need a second vacation. Um, But I'm sending some love to you as you listen to this episode, especially my seniors, parents and students who are currently about to start leaning into the prime season of their process. Um, We're about to have our final mocks coming up this weekend. Um, These are January 7th and 8th, both online and in person, as well as our private Baldwin-Wallace audition days that same weekend. And then from there, we rush off into the wild blue yonder of auditions and three cities of Unifieds. Um, I'm going to try to record these pods a little bit ahead. since I'm- With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm going to be traveling to both Chicago and L.A. with our students, but I'll also still drop in at the top like this and try to give you updates um, when I can. For those listening who are seniors, if you're interested in participating in our in-house MTCA master classes as last-minute prep for your auditions, uh, we do still have our classical monologue masterclass on January 10th. That's taught by yours truly, me, that is, as well as one of our early guests in Ryan Quinn. That's at 7 p.m. on January 10th. Uh, and we also have our pop song masterclass on January 11th at 7 p.m. as well, taught by two of our excellent coaches, uh, Lisey Jordan and podcast guest Will Reynolds. Basically, I'm realizing from this, I need to have Lisey on the pod so we can make it a full sweep. Um, But we have some really good monologue coaches, if I do say so myself, including me. Um, Some great song coaches who are going to teach those specific um, specialty classes. Those classes can be really great last-minute check-ins of some of those specific areas of your preparation. Maybe if you haven't given enough attention to the Shakespeare monologue that you need or or the pop song that you're going to need. And for all of you, whether you participate in this or not, I think now is really a great time to kind of cross those I's and dot those T's to make sure you're covered going into the prime season. You know, is there anything that you're forgetting that you you haven't yet worked on? Maybe there's a requirement for a school that was different from the pre-screen, maybe specific instructions from a school to do a different piece um, in a redirect. Sometimes we get those. 
Certainly, you want to be ready for all the curveballs of interview questions and adjustments, additional material. That's all those stuff that those auditions will bring fast and furious. That's the stuff that those of you who are MTCAers who are going to be practicing in your mocks, if you haven't done it already, you'll be doing it this weekend. Um, but the big thing that I would say to all of you is just to make sure that you're all set with everything now so you're not scrambling, you know, the night before Unifieds, cobbling together something last minute. Um, for those MTCAers, please check in with your coaches. Make sure you feel like you're in really good shape. Even if it's not a discipline you've been working on us with us a lot on even you know so you haven't done as much songs with us you've done more monologues check in with your song coach now's a good time just to be like where am i what am i maybe forgetting um you can have another set of eyes uh to kind of double check that for you all right without further ado let's get to david schmidt from the university of utah Well, we are so excited to be sitting down with David Schmidt of the University of Utah. David has a Bachelor of Music in Vocal Performance, a Master's of Music in Vocal Pedagogy, and a PhD in Music Education from this very University of Utah. Um, he's been an adjunct professor at Weber State University before becoming the head of musical theater at the University of Utah. David, how are you doing? Welcome on the pod. I'm doing great. Thanks. We're going to say a little bit of the University of Utah, which is it's located in Salt Lake City. Um, they take class sizes of about 16 to 20 students and have BFAs in acting, musical theater, and a couple other options as well. Um, I would just love to throw you the mic, David, if you want to give us a little personal tidbits, fun facts. You know, we really slim that bio down. Anything that you really want to go, hey, people should really know this about me if they're about to listen to me talk about the school for 30 minutes. Oh, cool. Well, I started my professional career singing back up in Nashville back a long time ago. And I then got degrees in opera because I wanted to expand my, uh, my vocal range and, and my opportunities. So I worked in opera for a while and then started a, an opera company in Austria with a friend. And I have, an, I have a light opera company here in Utah in Salt Lake City. And um, I've been, a, I was a dancer originally first. My first jobs, I always went out as a dancer um, and and was a singer second. Uh, I'm trying to think of things oh my God. appropriate for musical theater. So many, so many prongs of the musical. We do opera, we do musical theater, we do dance. I mean, my gosh, what do we do not do? A triple threat. Um, I'm not, a, I'm not a very good actor. I'm definitely a, I'm definitely a chorus boy for sure. We'll see. We'll see today. We're going to uh, challenge acting chops. Um, but let's dive into the, to the University of Utah. So I'd love to, it's always a tricky question in trying to sum up like the ethos of, of what a University of Utah student is. But if you'd have to say like, hey, many of our students as they're coming in share these kind of qualities, what would those qualities be? Uh, a, a dedication to the work. Boy, uh, a talent, obviously. Great. Dedicating the work in town, of course. Um, yes. Let's talk a little bit about, so then I come in, I'm dedicated, I'm, I'm hopefully full of talent in at least some of these many prongs of, of musical theater world. Um, what do the four years of curriculum look like? So how am I coming out changed after four years at, at Utah? Um, we are a big dance program. We have dance every single day, all four years. It's required. Hmm. You start every day at nine o'clock with a core dance class, which can start off if you come in with no dance training. You will start off with a ballet bar and learn what a plie and a tendu and a, you know, all that stuff is. And then you'll move up into different areas and dance and get more advanced into where you're working in styles. But you take at least an hour and a half of dance a day and then some, uh, some days, two and a half hours, tap every Friday, um, voice lessons every single week, uh, acting six hours a week, all four years. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a rigorous triple threat program at a, 
very large university. And you mentioned the the for beginners, you would start at the very beginning. Do you, if you come in a little more advanced dance wise, do you jump a couple levels before you, you, you know, right when you yeah, start? The first week of of class in the semester is a in, in every semester is a placement class. Uh-huh. uh-huh. I love it. Um okay. Now you said triple threat, which I we lo- love that parsing that word. Um is there one of the areas of those, you know, dancing, singing, acting that you feel like you're spending whether spending more credit hours in or that you focus on a little bit more where you would say this is a, a school that's really strong in? The credits are split up evenly between the three. We did that on purpose, but I did have some agents come in last year and they said, well, you're you're obviously a big singing school because everybody sings really well, mm-hmm. um, but the credits really are divided up equally between the three disciplines. I love it. And then you, you mentioned that large university going along with the kind of conservatory style education. What are our students getting? What are University of Utah students getting? beyond just the acting, singing, dancing training. So wh- whether it's academic classes or opportunities in the school, what, what am I getting as a student at the school? They have, they have general ed requirements that they have to take it, you know, from the university level. But the nice thing about being a research one university is that you can go to a Pac-12 football game. We have an amazing gymnastics team. One of our gymnasts was a, an Olympian. Um, uh, basketball games. You can be in a sorority or fraternity. You, there's a club for everybody at our university. There is, not, I mean, it doesn't matter what your hobby is. There is a club. There is a there's a group that mm-hmm. you can find because there's thirty five to forty thousand students on campus at any time. So, Ooh. so you're one of sixteen to twenty in a class, but there's forty thousand at the university. It's a big yeah. difference. Um, let's talk a little bit about you. You mentioned you yourself acting is not your favorite of the three disciplines, but if I were an actor who was going there, but I was maybe musical theater curious. If I'm interested in a little bit of singing, a little bit of dancing, but mostly I'm focusing on the acting training, how does that interaction work um, for the acting students? Well, I, the one of the great thing, again, I'll say this a lot of research one university, we're just the top tier of, you know, of, of research universities. Everybody has to be an expert in their small lane. I'm a singing expert. That's what I do. I would never teach an acting class, but the acting teachers are expert in their area as well. So we have our actor training program and the musical theater program. Um, my singers, uh, my voice teachers teach their the acting people to sing, and their acting teachers teach our musical theater kids to act. Mm-hmm. So they everybody has a, a specialty, and they're getting professors that are in that lane and getting their um, their their expert advice in mm-hmm. and training. And is there overlap in terms of like do the actors take classes sometimes with the musical theater students? Do they do shows together? How how does that work? We, yeah, everybody in the department can audition for the musicals or the um, the plays, and we do. We we um, cross pollinate quite a bit. Hmm. the The classes aren't really like the classes are a little separate because the the focus uh, is a little bit different between musical theater and between acting, um, and our schedules are a little bit different. But we do audition for shows. We do have large um, weekly meetings together. There's a lot of interaction between the two disciplines. I love it. Um, you mentioned, um, I think it was an agent coming in and saying, hey, that you guys are all really good singers. What are you doing to prepare your students kind of for what we call the launch into the business, whether that's about a showcase or whether it's about, you know, what the business of the business they're going to need to know about going into their senior year and sort of as they begin their career? We do a senior showcase at the, uh, in fact, it's tomorrow night. I'm very excited to go see it. Hey, what good timing. Yeah. But we also bring it because again, we're in Utah. We're far away from the epicenter of any, you know, large scale uh, mm-hmm. theater towns. 
Um, although Utah is a huge theater town. We have so many theaters. Our, our students are always out working uh, in theaters in town. Anyways, we I bring in uh, two or three agents every um, spring semester to work with the juniors and the seniors. So those agents see uh, the students two times and two of our um two of our seniors booked right out out of graduation on uh tours uh because we brought in the agents and they'd seen them for two years and saw their progress and loved them and they were cast right off of of right after graduation super cool and yeah i'm so curious so why the showcase in december i think a lot of people do it in march some people live in april what was what was the reasoning by doing it a little earlier we do it we do it early to get the because now as we all know everything is video submission so um we do it in december i shouldn't say this because then people steal the idea so our our students get out it gets out earlier than everybody else that the videos are done so we thought let's do it in the fall semester and get it out early super interesting i wonder if more schools will start doing that i mean certainly people did that used to do that in the spring where they go like we do it march so we'll do it february we'll do it whatever but you're really beating the rush beating the, it's the black friday event here that you're getting yeah. <laughs> um, you mentioned you know the great theater that's in utah I, I would love to just hear about you know of your students and i know you don't have the full breakdown but of your students how many come from the kind of utah west ish area you know the local area versus all over the country and then how much many in terms of where they end up how many end up staying in a, a sort of locally or we're staying west coast i guess versus how many end up on in new york city chicago etc the makeup of the student body is from all over the country i've got right now my freshman classes arkansas hawaii new york connecticut uh a couple utah we have about four or five from Utah in mm-hmm. in the mix, but really it is from all over. And we have a lot of students from Oregon and Washington because it's close and parents yep. are like, you go there because I can come see you quickly. That's um, right. And then a lot of the students stay here because there is so much theater. We have two equity houses in town and a lot of paid theater uh, and really great opportunities, but a lot do go out and, and take tours and go to New York or Chicago. Um, a couple have gone to LA um, mm-hmm. you know, looking to be in, in that business, not necessarily musical theater, but yeah, they do get out to the big cities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, you know, it's something we talked about years ago and there is, there are more programs springing out up West, but there really were not a ton of, you know, programs on the West coast that are more musical theater focused, especially that are, that are sending kids to Broadway. It's more often the, our West coast students were coming East for school. And it's interesting now seeing some of our students who are from the East going West and then coming back or whatever that they're making that journey a little bit. I, you know, I think it's always funny when someone from New York tells me they want to come to Utah. I'm like, what you're in New York, <laughs> but they, you know, everybody wants to get away from wherever they are. So <laughs> You know, coming to Utah is thrilling. One of my current babysitters is a university is one of our grads is University of Utah. She's from New Jersey. She went to Utah and came back, and now he, you know, living working here. I just wanted a different experience. Oh wow! I'd love to talk about cost. So, and I know you. There's some specifics that I've worked on this with some of the students. So you can tell me what the truth of in state versus out of state and what you're allowed to do with all that. But I'd love to hear about sort of how it works from a student perspective. You know, what is my, you know, the the total cost that I might expect uh, if I was an out-of-state student, if I'm an in-state student, and how it might work if I'm trying to navigate that getting in-state tuition, how it works with scholarships. So what I might expect to pay if I'm a, a student who's actually going to attend. Okay. I might be lying here. I'm going to do my best because this isn't my exact area, but I will tell you a couple things. Um, tuition is not very expensive at all. Uh, compared to some of the other state universities, Utah is quite inexpensive. I would say tuition itself is under $20,000. Now you add in housing and all that stuff. But the Mm -hmm. wonderful thing about Utah is if you stay for the first year all the way through the year, 
they give you in-state tuition the next year. So you have out-of-state the first year and then three years of in-state, which is super, super inexpensive. Mm -hmm. um, and scholarships, make sure if anyone's listening to this before December 1st, apply to the university before yes. December 1st because you get much more money from the university than you would from the department. So that December 1st deadline is, is super important. Just be clear, none of them are going to be listening. The, only maybe a year from now could they possibly be getting in before this deadline, David. You've just tempted them with a deadline they've already missed. But but you're talking about specifically, because we'll get to Unifieds and some audition op opportunities, yeah. you know, as opposed to a walk-in or something where they might be able to you know, apply later. Now it's yeah. going to be harder to get those scholarships if you haven't already applied to the university. Yeah. 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 Totally makes sense. And do you have a sense, again, we don't have to quote an exact number, but do you have a sense, you know, what that in-state tuition brings it down to? You mentioned around 20 before, it's, but what that in-state might be? At least half. So least it's under 10,000. Yeah. That's a good number. That's a good number. Yeah. Yes. If, if this is the first time a student's hearing about University of Utah, or when you meet students who go, oh my gosh, I, I didn't know about your school. What do you feel like the best kept secret is? What do you feel like you go, oh, I wish everyone knew this about our school. What's, what's the thing that ends up hooking them in and making them go, I want to I go to Utah? Well, I think our, biggest, our best kept secret is our faculty is incredible. Um, Broadway dancer, singer, uh, dance captains from Broadway, um, uh, the, the dialect coach from the Hobbit movies. Um, I mean, serious fact, again, we're a research one university. So to be hired at the university, you've got to have quite the resume to just even get seen, uh, to be hired. So a Broadway credit, um, you know, things like that. So the, the faculty is incredible. And like I said, they are all experts in their lane. And then uh, conversely, why do you find, let's say you've admitted a student and you really like them and they're, they're having some discussions and then they end up saying, Hey, actually I'm going to go somewhere else. Why do you find that students choose not to go uh, to your school? I think because it's in Utah and it's kind of, uh -huh. it's far away from a lot of places. We're not, we're not near anything. So I think, I think sometimes that is, I think that's the, the case. Now you must be, and I don't, sorry, I don't know my geography, you must be near beautiful mountains and stuff, stuff like this, right? Is this, this, my experience of Utah has always been like, oh my gosh, this is beautiful plateaus and all the amazing things that, that, um, you know, geography can offer. Yeah. I'm from New York and I came here for grad school and stayed because I, I can see the mountains. I see where I go hiking every weekend right out my window. I mean, the mountains are right here on campus. It's amazing. Um, and and just the the differences in different parts of Utah, the desert, the high desert, the red desert, the, the green mountains. It's absolutely a stunning, stunning mm -hmm. place to be. Skiing, if you're a skier, it is heaven. Oof. Oof. All right. Well, let's take a short break. And on the back end of the break, we'll talk a little bit about the Utah audition process. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. We are back with David Schmidt, and we're going to talk about the audition process. Um, and I especially just want to hear, like, you know, from your perspective, and especially, you know, as someone who's expert in voice, though uh, was an amazing dancer, it sounds like, early in your life. What are you looking for in an audition? What, what makes a great audition for you that makes me go, I want to have that student at my school? They have to tell me a story. I, it doesn't matter to me how beautiful the voice is. If there's not a story in the eyes, I, I, I'm not interested. I want to see why, who you're singing to, why you're singing it, what, what's happening in the moment, what's happening in the moment before. All those acting tools that we work on, I want to see that in the audition. Be a human. I always, you know, People will come in, their speaker doesn't work, or they lost the music on their phone. Or, and I'm like, calm down, just mm-hmm. be a human. It's mm-hmm. okay. We all have these experiences, and you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose your sheet on my my computer, and I'm human too. So come in the room, be human, tell me a story, uh, be interesting as a human, and I, that's that's what I'm looking for. Now, this sounds perilously like acting advice, David. You said this was not your area of expertise, but you're giving great acting advice. Oh my gosh. Okay, great. Um, what about how do you find in the different mediums or media, I guess you'd say, that you do auditions, whether it's when you're doing them online, whether you're doing it at a Unifieds on campus, how do you find those auditions are different for you? Maybe even just about the different times of year. How does the year shift and, and how do things change for you in terms of what you're looking for or what you're seeing from the student? Oh, um, yeah, it, it's crazy that we're in this world of digital now and you have to do digital a, a little bit differently than you do your in-person audition. It has to be a little more subtle, but again, you still have to tell the story. So I'm looking for the same kind of things in both. Um, but on the, on the video, I want, it takes a little bit more to get those qualities to me because we're divided by a screen. Mm-hmm. And how how do you guys do the video auditions? You know how how does that work for you? Is it about uh, um, seeing taped video? Is it about live Zoom auditions? How does that interaction work for you um, with uh, online auditions? I I, I, I will take a, a video submission, but then if if there's a callback involved, we will go to Zoom and we will do it. Uh, we'll do it live. I want to be able to talk to the person. I wouldn't just take someone from seeing a video. But um, yeah, if they're not going to be able to. Uh, attend Unifieds or one of our local auditions, I will take a video submission and then do a live Zoom audition with one of the other faculty members. Yep. And then my favorite question, if you had to estimate for you, how much of your decision artistically to say yes or no is based on that talent, you mentioned all your students are talented, is based on the skill displayed in the acting, singing, dancing versus how much are you looking at those intangibles of what kind of person they are and you know how they take an adjustment, how they answer an interview question? How much is in each of those those camps for you? Boy, I, it's I'm heavy, heavy into the the human aspect. I mean, obviously the voice has to be on pitch. There has to be the raw talent, but they're young. So we're mm-hmm. looking to train these people. And if they're coming in being a, a, a decent human being, we can take the voice. You're going to have dance every single day. If you've never danced before, you will be a dancer or at least a really good mover by mm-hmm. the end of the four years. You don't, there's no option there. You're taking dance every single day, taking voice lessons. So I'm looking for the raw talent, but the, but the human aspect is really high on my radar. Yep. And am I right that you guys do not do a live dance call? 
We don't. We did, but then we had an injury at one of the Unifieds on the carpets a long time ago, oh. and we and we stopped and started doing a online submission for all of it. And everybody has to send in a dance video. But again, we always say at our school, if you come in with no dance, but you've got a lovely voice and and you're a great actor, we're going to make you a dancer. Yep. And how does that work with the you know with the three different skills? Imagining there's some different evaluation done by different professors. How does like any scoring or hey the dance is really strong, the acting is not so good, the dance singing is amazing. How does that work in terms of are you super scoring? Or are you coming up with a more holistic decision? How are you kind of weighing the different artistic factors? Um, it everything is leveled. All the dancing is leveled. So you go into different and the, and they they have specific components that that they need someone could stay in like a a second level of dance for you know three years because they that's what they need because they're a great singer or an actor so really it it it's evaluated by the professors in the different areas separately for the first two years and then in the junior we start coming together in studio classes and looking at everything holistically and, and but what about for admission what about you know if, if you're deciding between which students you want how do the different professors interact with with that holistically Got it. Um, okay. Um, You're like, I don't want to say the true answer is that I just make all the decisions. It's just, I am the boss. Is that what it's it exactly is? what's going through my head? Cause <laughs> that's, I, fair. that's totally fair because I was a, I was a dancer. So I know, I know I can see when someone walks in a room, I know uh -huh. if they, you know, if they're going to, if the dance is there. So it's really, and singing is my area of expertise. So if they've, you know, if they're a really great dancer and they have an okay voice, they're still high on the list. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. I love it. Um, let's talk a little bit about, so artistically, if it's a yes, if you're into them artistically, how does it work with what they need to do academically? So, you know, what do they need in terms of grades, SATs, essays, if we want to talk a little bit about that, letters of rec, how are you evaluating all the parts of the uh, audition that is not the audition, all the parts of the application, as you say, that are not the audition? You have to be admitted to the university. And again, it is a research one university. I think the, I think the uh, GPA is a 3.0. It's not that tough, but they do a holistic, um, they've stopped, they've gone away. They don't, they don't take ACT and SAT anymore. It's a holistic, um, application process. So they're looking at your service in high school, uh, mm -hmm. clubs you've been in. Um, it, it, again, it's more of a holistic, I don't know all the components that they look at. So it's not necessarily just GPA or test scores. And then what about, do you look at essays? Is that something that you read? Do you look at letters of recommendation? Is there anything else, any other parts of the application other than the audition that you interact with? Um, their cover letter. And uh -huh. I will look at, if there's someone I'm really interested in and I have a question, I will go to their um, resume and maybe talk with their other teachers sometimes. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. And for cover letter, do you mean like, is it, it's a, something that you ask them to write like a, a supplemental essay? Yes. Yep. I love it. And what are you looking for in that? What are you looking for as you're look, reading through a, you know, if you, uh, if you have a prompt that's specific to Utah, what are you, you know, hoping you're going to see in a student's letter? That is a great question. And I will tell you exactly what I'm looking for. Anything but how much you love musical theater. <laughs> I know you love musical theater because you're auditioning for my program. <laughs> tell me about the other things you do in your life. Tell me why you're interesting and why you're going to be an interesting performer. What are the other things you do in your life? I know you love musical theater. I love it. Um, I just would love to, you know, we're, we're in our wrapping up phase. I'd love to just talk a little bit about some of your specific areas of expertise. Um, I know you mentioned uh, you had a vocal injury a, a number of years ago and, and what that experience was. So the, the, you have now an expertise in, is it specifically is it vocal health or is it, is it more about voice teaching? What, what was that experience of that, you know, and what did you learn from it? 
I, I'm definitely a voice teacher. That's that's what I love to do, and that's what I, I like uh, the area that I specialize in. Um, but I also specialize in vocal pedagogy, so the science behind it. Um, mm-hmm. I teach a vocal pedagogy class to the sophomores. Um, I did have a vocal injury. I had a burst varicose vein on my left vocal fold. Um, it was late in my career. I still cried for a year because it basically ruined my singing voice. Um, but because my area of expertise is singing, I've been able to overcome some of the, the, the problems with that. And actually it's helped me become a better teacher. Um, and it's, it's an injury that it, the, the doctors don't know why it happened, but what it did is it made me do a lot more research over what I've already done. And, um, we do vocal scopes on all students every year. They get a vocal scope to see. We're really interested in vocal health. All of my voice teachers are. Mm-hmm. I love it. It feels like, you know, it's like an athlete who blows out their knee or whatever. And they're like, no, nah, i got to be the coach. But what did I learn from that experience of that? And, yeah. You know, yeah, that's so cool. Um, exactly. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about just the past couple years and how, you know, in in the ways that the pandemic has changed the industry, we can t- talk about that certainly. In some of the you know questions of kind of racial reckoning that have happened in the past couple of years, how has Utah shifted? You know, let's say from where it was in 2018, 2019 to where now we sit in twenty twenty two. Boy, I, I tell you, professors are really smart because we we adjusted to online and Zoom so fast. We became expert voice teachers on Zoom and teaching dance on Zoom, and you know all of that, which really helped. Uh, the students, particularly this, these late classes that are, are graduating now, because everything is video submission. So everybody mm-hmm. learned very quickly how to make excellent videos and how to do everything live. I will speak to uh, diversity and, and um, equality. We have a JEDI committee, which is Justice, Justice Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion. Um, we have a faculty committee, and we also have a student committee. Um, and they work together to make sure that in the department we're picking shows and uh, making things more equitable in the department overall for everyone. And the students have a big voice in that. And that is just been it's been wonderful for the students to be so involved and uh, so active in this in this cause. Mm-hmm. I love it. What well, you talk about picking shows, Megan noticed that you guys just did in pieces on your main stage, which was Joey Contreras. We just on the pod a couple months ago um, at one of his musicals. So what a, a beautiful small world we live in. Yeah, he came out and actually saw the production. It was wonderful. So cool. it was it's such a good musical. Everyone should look at it. It's great. In pieces, that is. We'll put it in the show notes. I always tell Megan, I'm like, we're putting stuff in the show notes. And she's got to be like, I got to write this down where link, blah, blah, blah. Um, my last question to you, I just want to speak a little to the parents because we've, you know, we have a lot of parent listeners, some of them sort of listening for their children and going, you should listen to this episode. It's great. And some really trying to learn the process and, and sort of what's going on with that. Just what advice you might have to a parent, let's say of a junior, since the poor seniors, they've already missed their chance to apply December 1st, but maybe I'm a junior parent and I'm just starting out and I'm trying to do my research of which school should I look at. What advice would you give to a junior parent going through this process? Oh, it, it, it is a confusing process for a lot of people. Uh, uh, when my kids were going to college, they just chose programs and, and went to the colleges. This is, you're looking at uh, being in a small cohort for four years, uh, you know, you're looking at, uh, you're looking for the best training you can really do the research on the faculty at the different schools. I think that is so important to look at the faculty of the, of the, of the potential schools where you want your student to go to, and then start working like with coaches. I mean, what you're doing is amazing because you, you, Kids are coming in so prepared now. 
mm-hmm. with their two audition songs and their and their dance videos and everything is so well crafted nowadays. So I, I think what you're doing is is excellent uh, for the training for them. All right, now I have to ask you a narcissistic question. Now that you've said that, you've opened this door because I've always been so curious. As we've done this, you know, I've been doing this now like seventeen years, and you know, I started getting worried at one point. I was like. There are some students who are coming in with like a sophomore level education. I was like, have you felt a shift for yourself of like, oh God, more students are coming in at a higher level, acting wise, at a higher level, singing wise, as the kind of competition is raised. You go, it feels like much less likely for students to walk in and be like, I've never really sang before. I don't know. How's this work? Like more of, at least we see our students coming in and they're like ready for more, hungry for more. And I'm like, God, you're going to enter basically as a junior from a perspective of like, you know, so much stuff. Has that shifted and affected the way that you Teach people, do you, you know, in terms of like leveling things that are not just dance, how has that affected a university of, you know, especially over the past 15, 20 years as sort of coaching has become more normal and more, more popular? Yeah, I would say in the last five years, we have completely readjusted the curriculum and taken out classes that we don't need anymore because they are coming in more prepared. We don't need the beginning uh, primary classes. So we've taken those out and made more advanced curriculum mm-hmm. in the program for that exact reason they're just it, we can start at a at a higher level yeah. from the beginning sometimes I, I i would feel guilty i'd be like god you what are they gonna have to teach you I'm like we've really died a lot yeah um though plenty more to learn still plenty more to learn students oh my gosh much more it's cool um if we didn't cover anything today uh where should people check out more information is there anything you know do we like them the social medias do we like the website where would you want people to go if they're gonna discover more about university of utah the best place to go is theatra at utah.edu. We love it. But you guys are British. That's why you spell it that way? We're just, we're just pretentious. I'm not sure which one it is. It's no, one of the two, right? Yes. Sarah Shibabotham, who was head of the program when I started a while ago. Hey. Is that was is from um, England exactly? That's oh my god! I was really was joking, but every time people are like you guys spell it wrong, I'm like, no, we spell it right. We spell it the American way. We're exactly. American. Um, I love it, and we also found an at U of U theater theater on so the social medias that they could check if they wanted yes. to as well. Yes, yeah. we'll have all that in the show notes. Megan will be hard at work uploading links that people rarely click. We know because you know one looks at the show notes. Except now, you listening are going to do that. and You're going to discover some things. Yes. Um, David, it was such a pleasure to get to chat with you. Thanks so much for the time. Thank you so much. This is great. Boom. I hope you enjoyed that quick hitting episode with David. Um, He was so fun and friendly and really great to talk to. And I love how efficient he was in his answers. Um, I got to ask a lot of questions and we still wrapped up closer to that 30 minute mark, which was my original goal. I know a lot of these episodes of 45 minutes, an hour, an hour and 15. I'm sorry. I originally had the goal of a really quick digestible episode. We're seeing and letting the pod go where it goes. Um, But the good news in this case with an efficient episode is we get bonus takeaways. Um, I'm going to do three mini takeaways today, and I'm going to try not to turn it into a whole nother podcast where I'm talking about this and it ends up being 45 minutes because I go on for 20 minutes. Let's see if I can avoid doing that. Um, The first is just simply a definition. Um, I just wanted to, because you've heard a couple times on this podcast, the phrase research one university. Um, And for the student listeners, they may not be as familiar with that phrase. Just research one university refers to the level of research the university does. And specifically to be in that tier, you have to offer at least 20 research or scholarship-based doctoral degrees and spend at least $5 million on research each year. 
So that's not particularly criteria that's going to be really relevant to a lot of our interested theater majors. Um, but I think it can be a nice marker for the university. Um, just for have a couple numbers in, in your mind. In 2021, there are 137 Research One universities. So it's about 3% of schools. You're in the top 3% of schools if you're a Research One university in that criteria, at least. Um, and certainly schools um, who are that, who are Research One, will often use it to kind of generally mean we have excellent across the board academics, right? Which I think is pretty fair from like a correlative perspective, even though it's not necessarily what it actually means, right? It doesn't actually mean, oh, the the education that you're gonna be getting is so amazing. It just happens to often be correlated with schools that do this level of research, um, often means they're in a school that are gonna have that much many resources or gonna have uh, a lot to teach you. And certainly it's worth saying the inverse is not true. So you could be at a place which is not a uni uh, research one university where you can get a great education too. It doesn't mean just because it's not that, that there's, you know, there wouldn't be good um, academics there. Okay, the next takeaway, that was takeaway one, let's go to takeaway two. This one is about in-state tuition. You'll notice I try to ask all of the state schools how this works with their in-state tuition costs and how possible it is to potentially receive that in-state tuition at some point in the student's tenure at the school. Um, Utah is a great example. It's the reason I kind of saved it for this one to go deep into um, is just because they make it publicly available. So they tell you, you're gonna become uh, at this, you know, at this semester, you can become in-state and it's a huge savings. You know, it, the majority of your time, you're gonna get in-state tuition, which is, David mentioned, is about half off and it's already a pretty cheap tuition, which is often true of state school. So it's like a double win. You know. I would also say in general, investigate the schools that are more wishy-washy about it. And don't be afraid to investigate a couple of different times, right? If that financial difference could mean the difference between you being able to attend or not, I would try many rounds of working with the school to see what's possible. Just make sure you, that you really understand what are the parameters and maybe don't accept that in a public podcast form, right? Some schools and states have really strict laws where it might just not be possible, where others, you know, they can totally have more, much more open, this is what it is, right? But we've certainly seen in the past that our students have been effective in being able to get that in-state tuition with something. You know, they may have to do something. It's a family member moves there. Or there's some something they have to sign to make, say, they're a resident of this thing. Or uh, there's lots of different specifics with different schools. But um, our students have been successful. So I will just say, when it comes down to that negotiation time, don't be afraid to be pesky and just double and triple checking that avenue, right? Just saying, just so I really understand, you're saying this is not possible, even if maybe after a certain amount of time or all those kind of things. There is often, uh, I think this is what I'm saying in a, a long-winded kind of roundabout way, Way, there's often a difference between what some schools can say publicly wonderful that David is able to say this is publicly true for Utah you know on a podcast and that can be heard by everyone versus what they could do for you right if you're the squeaky wheel of course this is in a nice moment once you're already in once you're negotiating but if you're a little bit of squeaky wheel going is there anything I can do you know my aunt lives in Utah and my, whatever and in this case of course with Utah you don't have to worry about it because um, they are very clear about it with you okay and third slash lastly for a takeaway today I just want to highlight a really interesting thing that I think David said about the timing of their showcase. Um, you know, they did it earlier, right? They're doing it in December. This is something that I think has been evolving for two decades in this process, not specifically the timing, but just the creativity with showcases. And it has only continued to shift and evolve more and more and faster and faster in the post-pandemic world. Or I often say post-pandemic world, that doesn't mean the pandemic's over, but now we're living in a world where the pandemic exists. So we're in a post-pandemic world for, for what it is. As more of these things become digital, 
schools are putting more and more focus on how they can innovate around the idea of a digital showcase and often a digital showcase and a live showcase if they do it that way right and in many ways this also reflects the reality of the marketplace that already existed right once so many schools started adding a showcase which happened you know a little over a decade ago it used to only be a small number of schools a relatively small number of schools that had a showcase and that would spend the money to you know come to new york etc and then they, I think the schools noticed, a lot of students would ask questions. A lot of our students would say stuff like, do you have a showcase? Used to be a really popular question. And so more and more schools continued to add them, right? That's a process that's been going on for a long time. But then there became a point where so many schools had showcases that there really was this difference between do I have a showcase or, you know, or do I have one that's well attended by a lot of people who will be helpful to you in your careers? So schools would then, this is in the old days, would get creative about combining with other schools and different timing, whatever they could do to kind of incentivize people to get in to actually show up to their showcase if they're going to spend that, that money. But there was just that, a large difference from school to school sometimes between the attendance, both in quality and quantity, of the industry representatives who'd be in the audience, right? And yet it's the same cost. If you're going to come from the middle of the country, you're still paying the same cost and the students are getting hotel rooms and you're doing all that thing. So, you know, I think schools already felt like we're not um, nailing this in terms of, uh, of what exactly a showcase is for our, our university as opposed to how other schools do it. And then into that landscape comes the introduction of digital showcases, right, which really shook this whole map up a little again. Meaning, you know, it, it might actually now be more about you having a calling card of material that you can show on demand rather than a one-time only showcase or a showcase you do over two nights or you're hearing all the different ways sometimes you do over the course of a week, etc. This, I think, can have some advantages and disadvantages for actors and that some actors really like the idea of, you know, I'm there, I'm live in the room, I'm just leaving it all on, on the stage. Where some would say, I, you know, I actually feel really good about having something permanent that I can walk into my career with. I think there's, there's plus and minus to both. But you'll notice, as I keep asking this question for the colleges, I am trying to frame it in terms of how are you preparing your students for your launch into the business, for their launch into the business, I should say, as opposed to tell me about your showcase. Because I do think the more creative schools get and the more things change, the more some of those specialized approaches of niche strategies may actually be more effective. You know, I would be investigating what are the personal relationships that the schools offer in terms of bringing people in and in terms of their alumni networks. You know, what is the combination often now of live and videotape showcases that they offer, whether it's a videotape showcase or just about material that you have that's really great um, that you could show to an agent, you could show to a manager, you could show to a casting director, et cetera, put on your website, all that kind of stuff. Because I do think it is important, the launch that you have at graduation, we talked about the, the specialty of that window, the specialness, I should say, of that window. But it's also maybe important that you have something that will serve you for years in the future if you ever were to change agents. You're, you're likely not going to get to do another showcase, right? So if you're at a place where you go, someone goes, oh, he's great. I love meeting with him. And I saw him on that show. What has he got, right? And it might be nice to say, here's my you know, digital stuff that I've got already down. feels really good. It's from a couple of years ago now, but you know, it's, it's still me. The larger point, and I'm, I know this is not you know easy, solid advice I'm giving you from this, but just in reflecting on a changing industry landscape, these schools will continue to adapt to what is now. You're feeling the active adaptation that the schools are doing, and really none of them are, they're all realizing, none of them can rest on their laurels of a good reputation of the past. They have to keep adapting, they have to keep innovating, but it's something I would be paying very close attention to. Is what are they doing? How are they being creative around quote unquote solving this in the kind of evolving marketplace? Okay, that's it. A triple takeaway. If that's not deserving of a rating review on your podcast platform, then what are we even doing here, people? It's 2023. Throw five stars in, 
Tell us about your resolution. You can put that right into the review of the episode. Um, and, and maybe your resolution for this year should be, I'm going to try to listen to these episodes on the hour of their release. They release at 12.01 on Wednesday, and you're going to listen to it before 1 a.m. on Wednesday, Eastern Standard Time. You can also follow us. That could be another good resolution. Uh, on at Mapping the College Audition, our very own Instagram handle. That's at Mapping the College Audition. I'm fine if you follow us and then mute us. Like if you're one of those people who really doesn't want to know what I look like, you could just click follow and then just mute us so you don't see any of our stuff but it'll still be nice for us to kind of grow our audience um, as we're doing that we do appreciate those of you who've done that already if you want to work with mtca you of course can check us out at mtca.nyc or click on those beautiful show notes that megan worked so hard on to my young artists out there mapping their journeys may 2023 be the best year of your life to this point we'll see you next week Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.